All right. Yay. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know that this will necessarily have to be where we begin, um, but shortly before we got on, I was making dinner, and while I was doing so, I went back and I was listening to episode number four of our podcast, Jelly Bean Zero. Mm. Uh, which is, I believe, it may have been surpassed by number 10 at this point, but for a long time it was our most popular, most downloaded episode, and it's still way up there. I believe it's probably number two, um, and and mm. only just barely um, mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but I was, I was thinking as I listened to it that um, I was really bad at this at that point. And not like I'm fantastic now. I mean, I'm no, like, you know, Dan Benjamin, Mike Hurley kind of character. But um, I, I I have gotten way, way better at this. Um, mm. And <laughs> it made me, in a way, it made me a little bit sad realizing that, um, you know, number 10, I was probably better. But I don't know how much better in just six weeks I would have gotten. Um, so, you know, our most popular episodes so far are ones where I was not anywhere near the level of game I am now. Um, but as I was listening and I mean, I could see several of the problems. Um, I talked too much and too fast and and not coherently enough. And my editing skills weren't particularly good at that point. Um, understandably, but it, it occurred to me that I, I, you know, I don't know that I have a super great way to measure how exactly much I've gotten better, you know, Mm. no precise way to pin down how much I've gotten better. And also I don't really know, um, I don't I don't know necessarily that that's what I would want to measure the success of the show by. Um, but then again, the only other thing that I've really got to measure the success of the show, aside from, you know, the sort of on-off yes-no metric of would I listen to this show if I wasn't making it, uh, which I think most weeks the answer is yes, um, is is downloads, you know. And those two mm-hmm. episodes, which I'm I'm not super happy about my performance on, considering, again, how much better I've gotten at it since then. Um, are, are by the measure of downloads, the objective measure, quote unquote, the most successful we've ever been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was a great way to dive in because already you're getting at one of the issues that I, I hadn't even thought of it that way mm-hmm. in the, I was trying to do some writing about this topic. Um, you've already gotten into the issue of qualitative and quantitative, mm-hmm. um, metrics, um, <laughs> also as I was prepping, I was imagining if, if I had the chance to, to lead in, I would say something like today on the podcast, we're talking about personal Tetris. <laughs> I mean, metrics, mm. very important number things, not block things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Personal Tetris. So that, that's my contribution. Yeah. Personal Tetris sounds to me more like packing or like closet management. Fair. Mm-hmm. Perhaps arranging a new office drawer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be. Mm. Me putting the schedule together at the center. <laughs> oh, Ooh. my gosh. That's No, that's personnel Tetris. <laughs> Title. I walked into that and you nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priorities hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled Pumpkin Spice Metrics. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 38. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. No, so... So one of the reasons um, we had talked off air many weeks ago, um, I was thinking about this issue of of communicating personal value and accomplishments and articulating the stuff we do and, and its benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of led into this topic that we've been, I think, thinking about a little bit, um, at least having this on the back mm-hmm. burner for a while. Um, this idea of personal measurement or personal metrics or documentation, um, a lot of different ways to couch this, I think. Um, but yeah, but what you've already gotten into just, just reflecting on our work together here, I mean, together and individually, um, 
is how do we how do we know what we're doing and how well we're doing it? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what do we choose to value about what we do? Yeah, it, and how that's tied up in measurement. <clears throat> yeah, I like and I like the way you've put that because especially when you when you bring in um, you know you you referenced some previous conversations we've had um, kind of obliquely, but but still where we've talked about you know how you how you put a value on what you do and and how you mm-hmm. present that. And it actually relates to something that I didn't do any prep on because it just occurred to me in the run-up to, you know, getting ready to do the show, shortly before <laughs> I realized how bad I am on our most famous episodes. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a related topic that we, we might or might not want to delve into about about measurement, um, personal, career, and otherwise, um, it, measurement is sometimes really controversial when we start talking about our work. And the specific example of that that I thought of that we might want to, again, steer clear of, we'll have to see, mm-hmm. is uh, something like teaching, for instance. <laughs> Which, and I, I don't just mean, you know, obviously you are a teacher, so you're in that world. You're aware of these controversies. But I, I think where where you would get it is even even not, not even the most controversial or the most, um, at least in the way it's done currently, destructive. You know, I'm thinking uh, even more like K through 12. Um, mm-hmm. The teaching to sure. the test phenomena, um, no child left behind kinds of kinds of issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when the question is, uh, if the question before us is, you know, how do you value these things? An important choice is what do you measure? And I kind of alluded to that before with a podcast example. Um, if I measure by the quality of what I, you know, how much I like myself when I'm listening back, um, <laughs> there are at least 10 and probably 15 episodes I really like, especially relative to our most popular two. If we talk about most downloaded, most listened to, though, um, you know, that's a very different metric. And there would be different remedies for each one. One would presumably help the other. You know, the more people listening, the more pressure there is on me to get this right and the more feedback we would get. And on the flip side, the better I get at it, theoretically, the more people should be downloading, you know, word will mm-hmm. spread, but, um, they are two different measures and, and the direct remedies, you know, I, I could buy ads, I could print up <laughs> flyers, I could go door to door. I probably wouldn't do any of those things for a podcast, but you know, my point is there are things to be done. Um, I could, I could write a program that would create robots on the internet that would download the podcast <laughs> over and over again. And I could say, look at these numbers. <laughs> Go us. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, by the way, I want to be clear. I, I recognize I'm not the only person on the podcast. When I'm talking about how bad I was and me getting better, that's because listening back, you seem to already be much closer to the groove that you're in now <laughs> as of number four than I was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. And I, I was not uh, hearing any. Uh, criticism or dragging me with you. Yeah, well, and it was <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so much criticizing or dragging with. It's just like I want to acknowledge that like I don't recognize my personal growth as the podcast and vice versa. <laughs> sure, uh, sure, sure, yeah. Sure. And maybe maybe it was because I couldn't hear you as much because I was talking too much and too fast, which I still do to some <laughs> extent. But who? Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. It was it was rough. I was like, oh man. And that's the first time oh, I've, yeah. I've listened back to that one and heard problems in it before. That's the first time I've listened to. Uh, any of them from like the first 10 or so that I was like, hmm. I was really cringing at and going, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, that that gets at another part of this, too, is that what you choose to me- measure um, sort of dictates your opportunities for reflection. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, if I, you know, I if I went back and and re-listened for the purpose of reflection, I would probably hear a lot of things differently than, mm-hmm. um, when I listen back, it, I'm typically just revisiting topics and I, I want to try to remember what I said right? <laughs> <laughs> and remember what we said. Um, you know, just trying to see like, okay, what did we get to in that episode? That's usually the sort of thing that I'm unconsciously listening for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be very different if I purposefully did a review, you know? Oh, sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even sure what inspired me to listen to number four today. I just i i felt like um, I didn't feel like listening to any of the podcasts I had queued up in Overcast, and I just wanted something <laughs> to listen to. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe it'll get me in the mood for for podcasting myself mm-hmm. if I listen back to some of ours. And I was like, well, I'm going to listen to one I haven't heard in a while. Mm. And I just I went too far back. <laughs> <laughs> 
I should have I should have <laughs> stopped far. at ten and said, okay, that's as far back as I need to go. It burns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess I guess one thing I would ask you, and and you know, I don't know if this is something you've given a lot of thought to, or or um, or actually, you know, I have a different question than the one I was going to ask. <laughs> You do know that you haven't asked the first one yet. Yeah, I know, but I'm throwing the first one out. Um, and I'll ask a different one. Actually, the first one I'll probably hold for later. So um, just just out of curiosity, because I raised the specter of, of test scores and, and educational measurement and things like that, how are you measured in your job right now, if you're comfortable saying? Yeah, so one of the things that um, the faculty at my institution and many institutions do is um, – doing some reflective and self-evaluation typewriting um, over your courses at, at certain key periods in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I'm participating in, um, trying to capture what are, what you know, the normal sort of self-assessment stuff of uh, what are the strengths and the benefits that, that we've seen in our courses and in our teaching and um, what are things we've been trying to developing, trying to develop and how have we developed them, stuff like that. Sure. Um, in, yeah, I'm trying to think of in the speech world as well. That's sort of an interesting realm because it is a competitive collegiate activity. And at the same time, that is certainly not the only driver of success and how we know we're doing well. Um, and I think the culture of, um, the program as I've been involved with it has been, very, very positive and very well balanced in that um, the competition is simply part of the educational nature of the activity. So it wouldn't matter how the team w- or individuals were placing at tournaments if um, on campus those students were not living up to a forensics culture on campus. So mm-hmm. if they were not treating themselves as students and as scholars, <laughs> if they're you know, if people were not paying attention to their classes, but were, were doing well competitively, that wouldn't mean anything to us as a program. Um, things like that. Mm-hmm. So some of the, I mean, most of that's informal. It's a matter of, uh, you know, building relationships with the students and staying in, in touch and um, having conversations during practices and things like that mm-hmm. about campus life and academic success and things like that. Um, the center is interesting because that's one place where, I get to determine my own metrics um, because number of licorice is brought for center director. (laughs) I wish more like cups of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's more like (laughs) how many bags of candy corn can the students eat in this month? Um, Um, uh, Speaking of uh, (laughs) an episode several weeks ago, we talked about pumpkin spice lattes. There is a pumpkin spice candy corn now as well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, I saw that at Walgreens shortly after we recorded the last that that one where we talked about it. Mm-hmm. What a phenomenon! <laughs> that crap is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Ooh, pumpkin spice metrics, Max. Mm, pumpkin spice. We're on metrics the cutting edge. Title. We can't publish this episode. We need to get on this. <laughs> We're gonna be bazillionaires. Um. Yes. Yes. So, but I mean, <laughs> really, I could determine as silly of metrics as I wanted to, um, which is great because we've been a growing center, um, in a growing institution. So I have had a lot of freedom, um, in that regard. So, um, when I inherited the center, a lot of what had been tracked was sort of, um, face value data about visits. So who was visiting and, and for how long and for what topics, um, based on some commentary that consultants would provide, what was covered during those sessions, um, for what courses were people visiting, if they were visiting with particular assignments, things like that. Um, so that has been exciting to get to think about, okay, what what does the current center value? What do we want to continue to value? Mm-hmm. Um, what what so does one, the current center value? That's a great and question. And how do you measure it? Um, let me think about if there's a particular way I would answer that. So one thing that has been interesting, um, with all the growth that's happened uh, slightly before and, and during, especially my first year as director, um, one of the, the exciting trends that we noticed was 
the number of repeat visitors, and that would be any writer who was visiting twice or more throughout an academic year, mm-hmm. um, had tripled the average that it had been hmm. in the previous five years. Interesting. In my first year. Yeah, so an absolute significant jump um, that we think happened for a number of reasons. Um, hopefully um, none of which is that their uh, their writing was not getting any better after the first visit, so they felt they needed more. <laughs> You know, that is one of the wonderful but ironic things about our work is that one of the implicit and explicit goals of our work is to help student writers become more independent. Mm -hmm. But often that happens through a dependent relationship on us. (laughs) (laughs) So it is sort of interesting. Um, But at the same time, because another one of our values, you could say, is that every writer needs a reader. Um, Mm -hmm. We're hoping that we will never not be needed. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. So it's not just, so yes, students are hopefully picking up strategies and becoming more self-aware so that they're able to get further in their writing independently. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, part of the value and part of the stuff we preach and try to reflect in our community feeling is that, um, but writers always need readers right. who always um, can benefit from having a oh, sounding for sure. board. Well, and, you know, I, I poked a little bit of fun there because that is, you know, <laughs> um, that's an example of a way that uh, that repeat business could be a poorly chosen metric depending on your situation because mm-hmm. that repeat business could be drummed up a lot of ways, including helping somebody out in a way that does not teach them how to, you know. Absolutely. That's that's an example of a metric that could could definitely be gamed depending on what kind of mm-hmm. business you're in. Um, if you if you want repeat business and you're an auto mechanic, then what you want to do is patch a problem and not fix it. You know, <laughs> make the make the sound mm-hmm. go away without replacing the part, and let them come back in three weeks when the sound is back. Mm-hmm. Throw a little um, sawdust in there. Yeah. Where would an yeah, auto we, mechanic we... get sawdust? What? Where would an auto mechanic get sawdust? You're getting you're getting your shop classes mixed up. No, I'm picturing that scene from Matilda where he puts sawdust in the in the engine to quiet it. Mm, never seen it. Yeah, it's a thing. Oh yeah, well you've probably read it. Mm. You haven't read or seen Matilda. I don't think so. Whoa. <laughs> well, I <laughs> Is guess that you haven't read quarterly? To Kill a either. <laughs> a requirement. <laughs> Get a Raoul doll co- collection. Yeah, we'll get caught up. Um. No, but that does get it at, um, and I wonder too if there are things, especially because you're sort of a team leader in um, your place of mm-hmm, work. Sort of. <laughs> you have you have people. There are people. <laughs> we don't have people. That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's illegal and immoral. <laughs> I think we should just. We're not just not doing it because it's illegal. Let's be clear here. Well, both, <laughs> both, both, both. Yeah. Um. That's what the robots are for. <laughs> you can cut all this out. Oh my god, cut all this out. <laughs> the ones, the ones uh, that back in September, I said we're taking all of our jobs. Maybe I'm not a horrible person. Um, yeah, that's going way back. Ooh. But I hope I, I still hope I'm not. Um, how would we measure what's the goal? Ooh, how many, um, how many people will unsubscribe or unfollow us mm. when they uh, hear this? Already this done. No. They quit. They're out of here. Um, well, now we can talk about them, so that's good. Those people. <laughs> nope, this just gets worse and worse. I'm going to shut so up. So anyhow, um, uh, you were suggesting that I might be a team leader in, in my job. Yes, you you may very well be a leader. Um, so you think you might be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was thinking about was in when thinking about what metrics are important um i do think there is an issue of audience in some situations mm-hmm. so what got us thinking about this was the idea of personal metrics but even the example in the conversations i've mentioned and and you touch base on um the thing i was thinking about was something like a teaching portfolio and what it's trying to capture about <laughs> my life's work mm-hmm. and my my work throughout my young career so far um but some of those questions about how to craft such a document depends on who my target audience is mm-hmm. or what multiple audiences might be viewing it and so what multiple versions of that document I might need. Um, and that comes up in, in Writing Center work too. Um, 
if you think of each, each type of metric as the narrative or the story you want to tell about your work, um, some people expect and need to hear about different stories. Um, so my administration might, might need to hear something different than my prospective students who might come to visit or come to work with me, mm-hmm. um, who need to hear something right. different than the parents who are touring campus. Yeah. The, um, the, 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 you know, the administration and the other faculty might want to hear that you are teaching students to think critically and, uh, and challenging them you know, to a certain, whatever, whatever measure that might have. Whereas your Mm -hmm. students are more interested in knowing whether or not their paper is going to get an A after they come to you. (laughs) Which we don't promise or market. I should certainly hope you don't. (laughs) (laughs) There are (laughs) no guarantees Mm -hmm. and and it's only kind of the goal. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, there's a lot to say for, uh, I think your audience point is good because I mean, there's, um, um, I'm going to see how hypothetically and and generically I can phrase this because I have a very specific (laughs) case study in mind for this. But, you know, thinking about like you you referenced my team leaderness um, and, uh, you know, the fact is I do do have individuals who are my direct reports, if I can use a business douche term, um, (laughs) and uh, I'm responsible for measuring their performance and uh, Mm -hmm. as luck would have it, I came into the organization at a time when there weren't... Um, there wasn't really a scorecarding system. There wasn't really a, a robust way of measuring individual performance and output. Um, you know, literally nothing was in place when I got there. Like there was sort of a regime of of checking over the quality of work, but there wasn't any way to track all that. And no one was keeping track of who was doing how much of what. Because, um, you know, the company was relatively young and, and had gone through some big transitions recently. Um, you know, its voice was still changing. It was a little bit clumsy. Uh, but... We, um, in the course of my time there, I've been able to develop some of that, but I mean, there's, um, there are various competing forces though, different audiences for that, that want different stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. definitely the people above me and the people above them and the people above them want to know, are we getting our money's worth out of people, you know, and are we holding everyone accountable to some sort of minimal standard? Mm -hmm. Um, the people who are actually being measured want to know, are they being treated fairly? You know, is everything they do being counted? Um, Mm -hmm. Are they being given every opportunity if there's a problem to know about it and do something about it in a timely fashion? And and I myself, um, being (laughs) deeply awash for many years and various forms of business literature, shall we say, um, I'm also very aware of the problem of measurement. And and there's an old saw that I think I've brought up on this podcast before, but if not, here it is. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a saying that uh, it might be one of Peter Drucker's, but if not, it may as well be because it's at least that old and very wise. And it's what gets measured gets done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whatever whatever score you you put as the thing, that's the thing that people are going to focus on. Um, if your salespeople are measured on how many sales they make. And uh, the people working for me, by the way, are not salespeople. Um, but if your salespeople are measured on how many sales they make, but nobody is measuring how many of those products are returned, their incentives are different from yours and different from the customers. And, you know, again, that, that there's gamesmanship that can come in then. They could be chasing sales that are no good. Mm-hmm. Selling to people who don't need or actually want the product. Um, lying, manipulating, overselling its features, and then not worrying about the fact that the company is going to incur the cost of the returns and any spoiled merchandise that is partially used at that point and the bad will created with those customers. Um, plus all the accounting mm-hmm. of, oh, here's all this cash coming in and then it goes right back out the door a week later. Um, you know, whereas if if they're measured, not specifically on sales, but on, you know, some some later total of sales that has the number of returns baked into it, uh, if they're measured in the customer's satisfaction in subsequent polls of, of you know how much they liked the experience and how happy they are with the company, if they're measured, going back to your writing center, on how many of those customers come back, mm-hmm. you know, you get a very different set of behaviors. Um, so because of all these different audiences and, you know, the, the desire of everybody beneath me to make sure all of their work was being counted – and my desire to avoid gamesmanship or making people fight over, you know, the one or two things that are being measured and ignoring the rest of their jobs, um, we <laughs> actually ended up with, and I'm, I'm still using and, and looking for ways to streamline, a pretty convoluted scorecard that has all kinds of things on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to this point, like, doesn't really have, like, there's no bottom line you can look at it and say, okay, here's your score. 
um, because, you know, we still haven't resolved all the sticky problems of how do you weight and emphasize all these things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this measure of this number of units and this other measure of a different number of units that basically describe the same work, but measure in two different ways because different jobs that come across, you know, score differently in them. Um, if it were, if we were dealing with something very physical, you might say one is weight and the other one is, I don't know, like, like <laughs> volume. Um, it might be difficult, like say, say they're garbage haulers. They're not, but oh my God. dealing, dealing with a flatbed truck full of like empty containers that can't be compressed because they're made of steel uh-huh. versus dealing with a, uh, a, a, you know, a hard compressed metal ingot that's solid. There are two very different problems. Um, <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know if I'm making a good analogy. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. I love the visuals that I have right now. Uh, anyhow, point being, <laughs> oh my goodness. measurement is hard and audience matters. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's and, and the audience, <laughs> both in terms of who is going to consume these metrics, but also who's being measured and on what. I mean, I, I, I mm-hmm. referenced the specter of, of teach to the test earlier. Um, you know, if you measure teachers by how their students perform on tests, they're going to teach the students how to take the test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally happen to think that's a problem. I also, this is where I will probably get myself into all kinds of trouble. I also happen to think it's worth measuring teachers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I agree that it's valuable. Um, I disagree with the premise that there's anything that's too valuable to be measured. <laughs> I think that's, mm. or the, or that you can't identify something. Right. To there's something to be measured mm-hmm. there. Now there's a, there's a principle in accounting that, you know, says that some information is too costly to be, to get, like if the value of the information is outweighed by the cost of getting it, then you don't have to provide it in most mm. cases. Um, gotcha. and I think, I think a case could be made that that's true in things like teaching. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that's true though. I think it's just, it will be more costly and more complicated than people are willing to, to admit or right. commit the budget to, but I think mm-hmm. it could be done. Right. And especially now that testing culture has so dominated teaching as a profession by this point, I don't think anyone would argue with that, no matter their stance or whatever Mm -hmm. on on teaching culture. I I don't think anyone can argue at this point that it has fundamentally restructured K through 12 education. Um, That it hasn't restructured it at all or that it that it hasn't restructured it in a good way. No, I'm just saying it has so taken it over. Oh, okay. That... You're you're saying nobody would argue against me that it hasn't had an impact in a big way. Right, yeah. right. So even even if you thought that that restructuring <laughs> has been beneficial mm-hmm. or that it will be, um, it would be silly to say, oh, but the real essence of teaching can't be captured without a lot of time and attention mm-hmm. and totally restructuring education. Well, that's boring, yeah. We already did it. Just done it. <laughs> we did it badly. <laughs> no child but we left did behind it. has done it. <laughs> Mission the accomplished. Now. Yes, mission accomplished. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I referenced No Child Left Behind. We may as well hit all the, the big W isms. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is not a crook. Mm, um, no. Um, yes. No, I don't think you're getting yourself in trouble at all. I think you're being mild. Um, <laughs> except, for the, except for the part when I said that it can and should be measured. I know. I no, I personally. No, see, I think. I, well, I think. I still personally know people who would argue with me about that. Who would say, "No, no, no. You're you're gonna screw it up. Can't be done." Gotcha. Gotcha. Um. Well, I mean, I'm with you though, so I don't really care about those people. No, I shouldn't say I don't care. That that sounds too callous. Um, <laughs> their I would, I their would affection happily... and agreement with us is not our measure of success. Yes. Nice tie back. You're getting good at these these back outs and tie backs. This is great. Um. Oh, I was thinking of so many things during all the wonderful things you just said. Um, and I can only remember one of them. So maybe Let's I'll go get to that. the others. Oh, lots of good stuff. Um, so one thing that I thought of, and this will sound like a digression, um, but it's not. So you you talked about how we can get these really convoluted systems where um, the metrics have changed the behavior of the people involved. Um, and suddenly, we, you know, we've, we've lost touch with what we were aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the target was wrong, we painted the target on the wrong uh, sign. Sure. What, Why not? What do we? What What do people paint targets on? Uh, I, I don't know if they paint targets all the time. I mean, there's like you see. Um, 
I don't know if this is actually true in actual shooting ranges, but you see it on TV. They all have like paper or cardboard targets that they like yeah. they put out so there. So they're printed, I guess. Yeah, printed usually. We, I, I we don't know. I mean, maybe so, maybe they're painted. Maybe there's like target painters. That could be a job. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, yep. I'm just going anyhow, with the visual. Target, target painted. Um, yes, it was. Uh, we need to fire that target painter um, by the end of some of these situations. Um, but what I was thinking about was that and what you're sort of getting at is that the the metrics really have to reflect and align with whatever you are valuing. Um, because if you're not calling things as they are, yeah, you're going to get disconnected from them really easily. Um, so one example, and I don't remember, oh, I remember I was looking, <laughs> I was looking up a point value. Um, so I might've mentioned in a, in a previous episode about, um, I think we were talking about some personal tracking things, and I mentioned that I log sort of in a manual, clunky way, but it works for me, um, the things that I eat and drink in my exercise, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I use a bastardized version of the Weight Watchers program. Um, I've, I've read summaries of how their, their literature and their system works, um, and then I use their point totals as um, just sort of a rough way to to look at my overall diet. Mm -hmm. um, but it was funny because one day I was looking up um, on the internet the point total for some food, but the second or third hit rather than one of these sites where they show you all these different point totals. Um, but what I, what I stumbled on in the, in the results was an editorial from um, this person. Um, I believe she has blogged or written about food before, but it was a, um, a sort of editorial from the Huffington Post. Um, this woman who used to do Weight Watchers, um, but as the title suggests, she says, I was a Weight Watchers dropout. Um, and she was talking about the progress she had made um, in the couple of years she was on Weight Watchers, um, but that the most significant impact of, of doing the program was that, as she says, um, and I'm censoring, it completely effed up her relationship to food. Mm -hmm. And what she was talking about was by using the system that quantifies things that are a little more complicated than the system suggests, um, she was making really weird trade-offs and decisions that she never would have made if there wasn't a number attached to it. Mm. Um, so she talks about things like... Um, she would consistently do things like eat a Weight Watchers brand frozen lasagna meal rather than a piece of fresh fruit because of the way that it was calculated in the system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so whereas the hole in her diet and the, the thing she, she should have been hungry for might have been that piece of fruit, but um, she was way more enticed in the system by whatever lower point um, Hmm. weirdo frozen meal this was hmm. stuff like that um, um I, yeah. if that specific example is is accurate i think she might have been doing it slightly wrong because i think well, fresh fruits usually don't count for anything it does now uh, okay yeah yeah and this is something i've i've only been doing this for a couple of years and again i totally bastardize it i am not <laughs> hear it i have never paid you're, you're not a weight watchers watcher <laughs> no, 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 no. There, I mean, I, I've never eaten a Weight Watchers brand food. Mm -hmm. I have eaten foods that participate in their labeling system where they put the, the numbers mm -hmm. conveniently on the packaging. Right. Um, but that's about it. Um, and one of my impacts of using the system, um, again, like I, I, I'm not an adherent and I'm not particularly promoting the system, let alone my version of mm -hmm. it. But for me, it actually has led me to eat a more balanced diet because, as you suggested, one of the changes they made in the last several years was that um, whereas fresh fruits and veggies before had certain um, point values associated with them, um, a lot of them they put on zero-point lists basically to balance out um, <laughs> things like this that were happening Yeah, um, to encourage that. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good example of of kind of um, you know using people's um, people's tendency to play the game and to go for whatever is being measured. 
mm-hmm. I think that's a smart way of using that. Uh, I don't want to say against people because it's actually in, in the Weight Watchers participants' benefit. But um, you know, it's using it's using our tendency to to you know count and see what we can get away with against us in a way. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, before it'd be like, well, I could eat 10 apples or I could eat this piece of lasagna with my points. But mm-hmm. as, as the system is written now, like you could actually do both, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're incentivized to, to eat snacks of a certain kind, you know, fruits and vegetables. And even if that only it slides in a few extra at the margin, you're still going to be better off. And you're, by the way, you'll probably also lose a little bit more weight because you'll be filling up on things that don't tend to, you know, pack on the pounds the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I should I should put a real disclaimer in here and <laughs> say I'm not a dietitian or a doctor and, you know, consult mm-hmm. your doctor before listening to this podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Balanced diet, Indeed. avocado in one hand and a Snickers in the other. Yeah, I was I was thinking as, as you were, just before you hit on Weight Watchers, um, a, a pretty good example of, uh, you know, you, you use the phrase like what you value, make sure what you're measuring is what you value. And, uh, there's an example in Stephen R. Covey's, um, the seven habits of highly effective people. I think it's in that one. It's one of his books. Um, I'll put that one in show notes. And if I'm wrong, just, just read the rest of them. You'll be fine. Um, it'll only take like six months. You'll be fine. Uh, but he has this example about where he's talking about teamwork and this, this company he consulted with where, um, uh, the manager is having a meeting with all of his subordinates and and kind of the, you know who are mostly a sales team and he's he's sort of browbeating them about how um you know the company is really into teamwork and wants to improve its team culture and you know we you know we really need to be working together we need to be sharing leads we need to be sharing resources you know we are a team we live mm-hmm. and die as a team like you know it, we're not we're not here just for our, ourselves. You know, we're all going to do much better if we can work together and really pull together. And that's our values. That's our culture. So you know, come on, guys, why aren't we doing this? You know, team, 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 team. And then the next item the on the agenda was um, the progress that everyone was making in the sales contest, which was a <laughs> a measure you know measured on on the individual performance of the individual salespeople, and the prize was a expensive, fancy you know week long Caribbean vacation, all expenses paid, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which one person was going to win. Um, now I don't know if the story exactly went down as, as blatantly and explicitly as that, but I have seen things not far off from that myself, um, Mm. which I, I won't necessarily go into to protect the guilty and also because I might have the details wrong. Um, I've got the details wrong, right about this one though, because I've read the book a bunch of times. (laughs) Uh, but point being like, if what you're measuring is individual performance, and you are measuring it towards a goal that only one person can attain, um, you're not going to get teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a similar thing, you know, a, a lot of companies that will tout themselves as having collaborative, innovative cultures do what's called in some places stack ranking. Uh, Microsoft, I think, is finally doing away with this. If I remember right, there are some news stories in the last year about them getting rid of it. But for a long time, they did this where every team, every department was rated top to bottom. Ooh. And and it was a it was a forced ranking like it didn't matter what, uh, you know, if you if you hired 10 out of 10 rock stars one of them was going to come in 10th. Hmm. Um, sure. You know, and uh, I don't I don't know necessarily that throughout the company there was a, an enforced system of kicking out the bottom 10%, but there are other companies that have done that. Um, McKinsey & Company, the world's most successful, uh, by most measures, consulting firm, uh, management consulting firm, um, for decades and probably still, um, had a system, I believe they called it up or out, where, you know, everyone was ranked at the end of the year and, and the worst performers were out. Mm. You know, hit the street, go do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, which, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, like, that's fine if you don't mind hiring that much new blood every year. But, um, A, I would say if your company is any good at hiring, <laughs> then you're still firing good people. I mean, you know, very few places will be staffed entirely top to bottom with winners. But, I mean, in theory, isn't that your goal in hiring? Uh, and if you come anywhere near that goal, mm-hmm. aren't you, you know, casting out some great people? Uh, but the other thing I'd say is what you're measuring in those cultures is something that people are going to try to attain, which will not include teamwork and collaboration. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if, you know, and, and um, the week we talked about Amazon, the sort of came up too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it depends on what the goal is. So if the goal is that, that hyper-competitive, um, very cutthroat, but very productive environment, mm-hmm. you, like you're saying, you can't have that and, and fuzzy, warm teamwork. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it you depends on what you define yeah. as productive too, though. Yeah, there are certain types of projects mm-hmm. where you will live and die as a team because no one person can do it. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying is just there. No matter what you want to do with it, there are going to be trade offs. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can't. No, that's a good way to put it. You know, um, as we say, you can't have 29 priorities. <laughs> something well, something like that. Yes, yes. Borrowing from Merlin, of course. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can't have that many. Doesn't work. Not possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think another thing there is, so in addition to audience, right, who is this for? Who are we aimed at? Um, purpose, like literally what are you going to do with this new knowledge? Mm -hmm. That matters too. Oh, for sure. And you can be intentional about it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is it, um, the way we reorganize our teams will be based on, Mm -hmm this metric right. or <laughs> well and you and, and I didn't mean that at, I, I was going to say use that in the use that in the other sense the bad sense of reorg yeah no no as soon as i said it i was like oh wait that's a euphemism <laughs> no but that's that's exactly right i mean if and i can tell you from experience not not just from the current job but from other jobs even when it is not your explicit purpose to um create criteria and justifications for getting rid of people uh, you know, if if you are not upfront about a credible purpose other than that, when people start to be measured on something, that's what they're going to ask. You mm-hmm. know, what is this for? Mm-hmm. Is this one more thing you can fire me for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that gets back to that idea of fairness you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, is this going to be used to help me reflect and grow, or is this a test? Right. You know? Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a good tie to education too. Um, you know, when we give any type of assessment, whether that's, um, an in-class activity or a quiz or a test, um, or some sort of written demonstration, so a a, a paper or an essay or something, um, yeah, it's super important to be upfront about, um, the purpose and the stakes. I guess that's something we, we could be more explicit about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are the consequences of my performance on this thing? Right. Um, you know, and some of that stuff we have to be extremely explicit about, you know, if, if there is a particular way the grade is going to be calculated in this course beyond just a sort of typical accumulation or average or something. Um, yeah, the students would probably like to know that so that they can, they know what they're getting into if they, have some choices about how to spend their time and attention to earn the grade that they would like to earn. Mm -hmm. They need that information. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think related to that too, when you, when you talk about purpose and you know, another thing that I think uh, sort of relates is um, what is the goal and how explicit are you going to be about that goal? Uh, Mm -hmm. And and thinking about this, I'm thinking about this two ways. One is education. And this is what first made me think of it. Um, you know, when a student is deciding where they're going to spend their time and attention, a particular type of student, both at, I think both at the top and relatively low middling bottom area of, of a spread <laughs> of the typical college students, is going to look at a requirement and see what they need to do to fulfill that requirement and fulfill it and do nothing more. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, I think that, again, that, I think that'll be true for a lot of types of students across the spectrum. You know, people people at the top of their game, really great students, very often will do the minimum needed to get the A because they need to do that in every class because um, they mm-hmm. care enough. <laughs> they care enough to want to be great at all of it. They're not going to be superstar great about taking every class and doing it as though that were what they were doing their doctoral thesis on and go way above and beyond in everything they do. They're going to say, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to fulfill this? Do it, check it off, and move on. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the the example I'm thinking of this and where I know that it's the same way at the bottom of the spectrum is uh, in online courses. It's very common as I understand it and in the ones that I've seen so far this year uh, to have a discussion forum as part of the course experience. And various mm-hmm. classes use them to different degrees and in different ways. But a very common, very, very common pattern is for every week or unit or however the class is broken down, you need to make a certain number of posts and a certain number of replies to other students. And you need to do a certain number of things, like it needs to address these questions or you need to have at least this many sentences. You know, mm-hmm. you can't say good post as one of your replies. 
And what you see every time by making that, that goal explicit is the vast majority of students, again, both both the leaders and, you know, the kind of the, the bottom, you know, the, the lowest uh, performing ones who will actually do all the work are doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. if the requirement is two posts and two replies, everybody has two posts and two replies, mm-hmm. you know, and a few in the middle have less, but... You know, you have the people who are going to do the bare minimum and they do the bare minimum and the people at the top Mm -hmm. who also do the bare minimum. And by the way, I say that because I'm in one of those classes. I think I'm not not being boastful. I am definitely at the top Um, when Mm -hmm. I write my replies and when I write my posts, I'm writing way more and putting a lot more thought into it. I'm treating them almost like little papers, but I generally don't have more than the number specified. And when I'm done, I check it off and move on. And I see that same thing with the others who are kind of working at that same level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sort of a <laughs> comical example related to that that's not academic, um, our old friends on Office Space that we've talked about. Uh, the I forget if it was Chachi's or Flingers, but <laughs> the restaurant uh, where Jennifer Aniston's character worked, they had to wear these these cute little buttons on on their uh, aprons that they that the management called flare pieces of flare, and there was a minimum number of pieces of flare. I don't know what it was, eleven or something. Um, and, uh, Jennifer Aniston's character was always getting grief from her manager because she was wearing the minimum number and Mm -hmm. he was really encouraging her to be like, uh, Brian, who was a server who had a terrific smile and was wearing something like 27 pieces of flair and was insufferable and was insufferable. And, you know, it leads to the pivotal confrontation between her and her boss where she storms out and flips off a bunch of customers because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> he's being ridiculous. He's like, oh, if you want 27 pieces of flair, then make the minimum 27 pieces of flair. Um, mm-hmm. But to her point, most people, most of the time, if you have that kind of, you know, you're measuring pieces of flair and you have a standard you want to meet, people are going to meet the standard and then probably mm-hmm. go on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, you know, speaking both as a student as an educator, and as an educator, mm-hmm. um, I can't begrudge anybody for that approach because in the big picture, it, it is efficient. Mm-hmm. If, if your goal is the grade and the degree and the level of learning that the instructor presumes that this work will get you to, then what? Yeah. Like you're saying, why, why would you go beyond? It is the expectation and it is articulated as the way to get through this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I, yeah. And I, even the way I said it there might've sounded a little flippant, but I don't mean it to be. Um, again, I was that student and I, I don't begrudge my students when, when it happens, you know? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I would really like to see you guys keep discussing this as though you really care about Greek sculpture. It would be really great if you could get into this a little and you know, it's not going to happen. Well, and that's, that's something that I was thinking about earlier too, was this idea of, um, oh, how to say it. Um, so it's sort of related to, you can't, you can't approach all the goals at once. I can't say, okay, this bit of learning needs to happen and they need to have a fun discussion that involves smiles and laughters mm-hmm. and laughters. <laughs> I'm a haberdasher. <laughs> um, and laughter. All the great and, laughters. Um, and this conversation to, to create the sufficient level of depth should last this entire 10 minutes that I've set aside for Mm -hmm. it. Um, no, like, like sometimes the, the success of the class isn't, have we filled the time or even better? Was there so many, were there so many good things to say that we were in danger of going over time? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's not a valuable metric to me, um, and I know I've talked to Billy about this too. Um, you know, he's teaching statistics and, and things um, more technical than I would say the most technical days of my course. In manner <laughs> speaking, um, just because they, you know, there's a lot, of, lot more prescriptive stuff mm-hmm. in in math and in sure. the sciences, um, statistics in particular. Um, but this idea that stuff should take a certain amount of time or um, I don't know. I got off the train too early. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like the mark of a the mark of understanding or of engagement or of a good conversation um, 
It could be a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and you sort of have to pay attention to it. You know, yeah. the things that mark a good conversation in um, Composition 101, you know, our, my um, intro English course, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I could always articulate how do I know when I've had a good day or when the students have had a good day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, because there are so many different values, and especially in work like teaching, there are always so many surprises and right yeah I, we did a whole episode on that mm-hmm. i think i think what i concluded was education is surprise mm-hmm. uh, if nobody is surprised you or the students nobody learned anything yeah 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 i i think that's mm-hmm. you know and it's um that gets to something i think i might have slightly implied earlier which is there there are things here that um uh, and if I didn't imply it, then then I meant to. I mean, there's there's stuff here that is it, like as you go in a certain field, there's things that you personally will develop as a metric. You know, there's things that you can like you know, you know, you might not always be able to say like what would make a good day or not, but I think you usually probably know when you come out of class if it was a good day or not. Certainly as a student, when I've had it, like classroom classes, I knew what days I was on and what days I'd taken something away, and I knew what days I didn't. You know, I generally mm-hmm. knew which things were going to stick with me. I generally knew when I was happy if it was a discussion-oriented class, if I was happy with the things I'd opened my mouth about or if I was just opening it to open it. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's I, – I think I would imagine as a teacher that's much of the same. You know, and at work now I've got – a lot of days I'm – I how I measure myself is the number of things that I got done and, and or, or moved forward towards getting done. Uh, and some of that is kind of soft stuff, you know, conversations and negotiations and, and, you know, soft skills kinds of things. A lot of it is actually getting literal, real, true work done um, where I'm, you know, producing something, moving something from here to there, changing something into something else. Um, Ooh, but like magic. But a lot of the time, that's not what defines a good day or a bad day, even in terms of, of like my job and my career. Like a really good day might have one thing done in it that is not really an eight-hour task, but the way it was done and the people it was done with make it a great day. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and I know that I've built up, you know, some emotional equity in, in, in the working relationships, and I've I feel accomplished, and you know, this thing that's been dragging me down is done, and even though it took all day, mm-hmm. hey, it's done. You know, and I have other days where I got a hundred things done, and I don't care, and I can't wait to get out of there, and mm-hmm. you couldn't pay me enough to stay late. Actually, that's not true. You could always pay me enough to stay late. It's just nobody would. Um, and not that you'd enjoy it, but then you'd have more money. Yeah, that's true, uh, which can be exchanged for goods and services. Which can make you happy. Exactly. Um, Yay. Yeah. And then <laughs> there might be something else to talk about sometime, too, is money as a measure of all these things. Mm. Um, you oh, know, boy. I mean, well, and we've kind of danced around it with these professional examples. That, but, you know, as I said earlier, what gets measured gets done. I would also say what gets paid for gets done. Oh, you ain't kidding or what is not paid for ought not to get done. Right. Well, and you know, Merlin's got that thing that he says about projects where if it doesn't have a, a deadline, one person who is ultimately responsible for it and a budget, it's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this idea of of days, what I'm thinking about though is, and and I'll have to keep thinking about it too, but. I, f- I feel like for me, it's almost the opposite to where if it's a bad day, I know that in the moment and I know it after, mm-hmm. but sometimes I don't realize the good things that happened until I get some distance. Mm. I feel like that's how it is for me. Um, like some days I may be, I may walk out of class feeling okay and maybe a little unsure of what sunk in and what didn't. But then on reflection or with some quick follow-up, maybe I'll get a message from a student where they're asking a really insightful question that shows me that whatever we talked about sunk in, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Um, or I might, we might get down the road into a process of something and I might realize how well the students are doing when maybe I wasn't sure before. And then I'll think, oh, we that day, those comments they made, that's what they were getting at. They were, I don't know. And those aren't specific examples, but, um, yeah. So I think for me, sometimes I don't know if I've done well (laughs) until later. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that idea of distance, I think, I think measurement, however it's useful, 
can be super productive, even if it is just for the purposes of reflection. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I think that's a reflection. What you, what the content of your reflections are, I think, is a measure as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, an issue in a uh, big issue in you know science and research that you hinted at, you brought up earlier, but we didn't really talk about is qualitative mm-hmm. versus quantitative. Mm-hmm. You know, which we've we've kind of been talking about a qualitative measure here, like was that a good day or bad day um, of teaching of of classroomness. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think your reflections, the quality that you feel when you sit and you're really honest with yourself about how something is going, that's a measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even say, like, um, we, we you mentioned weight tracking or not weight tracking, excuse me, weight watchers and and like food tracking. Um, one thing that I've uh, I, I talked a few times on this podcast about, I've got a fitness tracker this year. Um, that uh, it's a Vivo Smart from Garmin, and one of the things it does is sleep tracking. It'll mm-hmm. track how much I move, and I get like a little chart, you know, of the time that either it detected I was probably asleep. Um, like you can set a certain range of hours and say I'm usually sleeping during this time, and it'll it'll just guess where you started and stopped based on movement, or you can explicitly tell it like, "Hey, I'm going to sleep." Uh, and then it tracks your movement. You get a little chart that you kind of get an idea. Like the more the more big, you know, up and down jagged lines you've got, the worse you were sleeping. You know, the more mm-hmm. you got up, the more you tossed and turned. Um, but the other thing it does, which is not automatic, you have to do it each morning if you want to, is there's a little rating you can give of mm. a smiley face, a frowny face, or a face with a straight line for a mouth. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, it's a reflection. It's subjective. There isn't a lot of detail to it. Um, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have the app open. Um, actually I don't have the app on my phone right now because mine is broken and I need to send it back for a warranty replacement <laughs> and I changed phones in the meantime. I didn't reload the app, but I don't think you can put a little, <laughs> but besides I, I, that, I don't think it even lets you put a little journal entry, but certainly like there's no way to graph your journal entries. Like all you'd have is like a little graph of these, you know, how many days were good, how many days were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you've got something you're reflecting on regularly, you know, even the subjective and, and qualitative and unmeasurable as that is, if you're willing to summarize it and say, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, or that's fine, and keep track of those, I, I don't know. That that could become a quantitative measure that over time you can kind of see, hey, you know, things mm-hmm. are getting better. Mm-hmm. More of my journal entries about this dumb class I'm taking or giving or whatever your, you know, <laughs> whatever your particular game is. Um, more of my More of my impressions on... Uh, you know, this personal artsy project I've been doing around the house that I'm, I'm journaling about my progress on, you know, if more of those come out smiley face over time, you're doing a little better. Just like Mm -hmm. if I put more smiley faces on my sleep tracking over time, then I'm, I'm having better sleep hygiene. Um, PS, I'm never putting more smiley faces on because I never put a smiley face on when I wake up in the morning. I'm always like frowny face or neutral face. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah i'm thinking then maybe is it something that is even a worthy goal to pursue you know the sleep tracking? is your goal actually to get to a smiley face in the morning you know i think it is uh the problem is i just don't get that much or that great of a sleep lately mm. but mm. you know i thought this was just commentary on you're not a morning person so it won't ever be a smiley yeah, face. not really because i can be i have been at various times <laughs> Do you record it um, before you're even out of the bed or once you're out of the bedroom or, you know, like how soon after you wake up does it happen? Before my stupid Evo smart broke. Um, <laughs> I was pretty good. Brownie I face. would usually, I would usually record the, um, I would usually wake the thing up shortly after I woke up. <laughs> Cause it, I mean, it, like that's a thing. Like, you know, you put it to sleep so it doesn't give you notifications. If somebody sure. texts me in the middle of the night, I don't want it waking me up by buzzing on my wrist. Um, uh, but I would wake it up, and then usually sometime before I left the bedroom, you know, a few minutes later, I would I would actually mm-hmm. go into the app and sink it mm-hmm. and hit the little face. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sounds like I'm punching somebody from hitting the little face. Yeah, you wake it up and then punch Smack it. it around a little. Wow. Which actually, the last few days, I was kind of smacking it because, like, the screen was going out. And I kept trying to, you know, wake it up because I thought it just wasn't detecting that I was touching it. Mm. So I was like, "Hey, you!" Like that, mm-hmm. and then saying mm-hmm. "ow" because I was hitting my own wrist. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I think there'd be a big difference for me between one minute after waking and 10 minutes after waking. Oh, you know, I wasn't even seeing what you were getting at with your question. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. The, the, like the five minutes before between when the alarm goes off, when I drag myself out of bed a lot of mornings would probably not be the time to ask. Right. Yeah. Um, after yeah. I'd had some caffeine might be a great time to ask. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> well, and yeah, yeah. It would just really depend for Yeah, me. about about seven minutes after I'd had my first caffeine of the day, I'd be like, you know what? I feel great. I feel fantastic. I can do it. I'm going to write a novel. I think I can lift that car. <laughs> Metrics. Mm. <sighs> Metrics. So what's uh, yeah. what's your what's your measure of success for this podcast? Mm. Um. Hmm. When I when I take out the earbuds, am I am I smiling contentedly? <laughs> I rarely am when I take out the earbuds. <laughs> the, where, where? the podcast that I love, I I, I smile later. Uh, okay, okay. Um, what would yours be? Yeah. Um, I would say, I think I think my biggest measure of success so far, and one that I've gotten, you know, we we hit a lot of the time. Um, if when I listen back to the episode, if I am surprised and I am pleased at that point, um, <laughs> that's a good measure. Like, I, I think we did pretty well, uh, especially on the surprised ones. It's it's surprising to me how often not only did I not expect something that came out of the conversation, but I don't even remember it until I listen back. Um, yeah. I was surprised by it and then it washed over me and I forgot it. <laughs> And then I listen and I go, whoa, that was really good. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, I'd say that's it for me. If I can, if I can surprise myself and then surprise myself again. Um, and again, I'm not, I don't mean, you know, not, not excluding your contribution there, but, um, no, you know, no. it's, it's, I mean, it's what comes out of, it's something that I would have thought I would not have gotten to that point in a conversation with anybody on these topics. And then you and I got there and then I'm surprised all over again when I listen back. <laughs> that's that's when I feel like we're winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll piggyback. I will steal that answer. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, and in in like general, that. like week to week, you know, the flow of the podcast. I feel good when I feel like it is a podcast I would keep listening to if I were a listener. You know, with mm-hmm. all my interests, but I wasn't the one making it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. Okay, so it just took me a second to think. Um, I needed some some moments with the prompt. Um, one I would say is sort of on the flip side, but but gets at the spirit of what you were saying was if I feel like I've shared something that I had been happy to learn or excited to learn when it came to me, when that bit of knowledge or that whatever came to my life, if I've gotten to share that in an episode, mm-hmm. I like that feeling of of passing on the little nuggets that have been helpful to me or interesting or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like I've, I've, (laughs) this is a very teacherly thing. I can't think of a different verb, but if, if I feel like I've gotten to teach something, share would probably be better, but yeah, then I feel good. Mm. Um, a metric that I have often liked, (laughs) this is a nugget I'll share. Um, a metric that I've often liked that I've lately decided I don't actually like that much, um, because hmm. I think it is disproportionately dispiriting when it goes wrong, uh, is streaks. Like you have okay. done this thing for this many days. Um, hmm. uh, case in point, uh, again, fitness tracking, I've talked before on the podcast about my fitness pal, um, which mm-hmm. is what I usually use when I'm trying to keep track of what I'm eating and what I'm doing exercise wise. Um, it has a feature built in where it gives you a, a, the number of days you've you've logged in, and it doesn't take much of a commitment. Like I don't think I even have to enter anything. I think if it registers, like if the app loads and successfully connects to the server and says, "Hey, this guy, you know, he's here," um, I think at that point it counts it, and then you know that count just goes up until you until you miss a day. You go twenty four mm-hmm. hours without doing anything. Um, and it it was when I first got into the app after a few weeks of false starts when I when I really started doing it for a while it became really motivating to keep that streak going. Mm-hmm. At one point I was like to two hundred and ten days or something. Hmm. Uh, but when you lose it, oh my god! 
<laughs> it is yeah. so deflating. And the other thing is, I don't know about you, but I find this and I hear people say things like this. Like when you're first starting out some of these things, it can really knock you off your game and, and bring you to a halt if you miss a day. You know, even something pretty innocuous, even something that like there's no real penalty, like you start up the next day and it's just as good an idea as it was the day before. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're just starting something out and you skip a day, it's it becomes I don't know. I get I get very deflated about that. You mm. know, when I was like, OK, you know, I am going to start planning my life. I'm going to I'm going to use this calendar and walk around and put everything in here and use it to get organized. Like when I first started getting into that stuff, if I did that for seven days, that'd be great. If I did it for four days and then like missed a day on day six, like I was like, oh, fuck it, I screwed it up already. Mm-hmm. Can't even do this stupid thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I mean, if it's if it's another layer of friction that, yeah, demotivates persistence or mm-hmm. grit, you know, and it's it would seem on the surface that it's promoting grit because it's saying, look, this is something you should want mm-hmm. to achieve. Oh yeah, is this? It's a, it's a super easy reward. Like you know, mm-hmm. you just have to do it another day, and it goes up. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. for little things. I mean, it you know, if it's if it's like thirty seconds out of your day just to do this thing, and you're gonna, and your score goes up, you know, why not? But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I feel that I feel keeping too close an eye on that, especially early on is it might be a net, net negative mm-hmm. or at least is not yeah. the unvarnished positive that yeah. people think. Got to find stuff that works. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show. Visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. That repeat business could be drummed up a lot of ways, including helping somebody out in a way that does not teach them how to, you know. Um, Absolutely. If you, if you teach a student to fish, they eat for a day. But wait, hold on. Um, mm-hmm. If you read a student a uh, fish, carry the three. Um, anyhow, I, I lost it. Yeah. <laughs>